so I'm kicking this series off, and uh, the word, the, the, what we're going to talk about today, the phrase we're talking about today is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It comes from Matthew 14, 27, where, um, and I'm going to ex- talk about this in just a little bit, but it's where Jesus in the boat of the disciples, and he tells them to take courage, it is I, and not to be afraid. Now, I had this sermon I planned uh, for, for several months. I've been thinking about this. Um, uh, as we were doing our sermon planning, Pastor Ryan asked me to speak um, this Sunday, and later I realized why. Um, time change Sunday on spring break. Um, <laughs> just saying. Just, just saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I'd already, but I'd already been, been planning on speaking on fear. And um, I just want to thank the entire world for giving me great material uh, for this week, um, as there's panic and fear going on in our world around us, I mean, the world is freaking out right now. And maybe you are struggling uh, with fear, even in regard to the coronavirus or, or maybe other things in your life where there's this fear is trying to grip you and is trying to rob joy and life from you. We have a promise in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 that says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And that was, that was one of the first verses I ever rem- remember memorizing as a child because I needed it. As you know, as a kid, you get afraid of stuff that goes bump in the night. And, and as you get older, your fears just get bigger, don't they? You just get on more serious things. And, and so I learned to hide that truth in my heart. And the world around us may, re- may, may be giving into an influence of fear, but God has not called us to, to, um, to surrender to that. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but, a, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And so the passage we're going to talk about today is in Matthew 14. I don't have it all on the screen, but if you have your Bibles or your phone, you want to turn to, to Matthew 14, feel free to do that. It's a story of, uh, it follows right after Jesus has fed the 5,000. And it says immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. And while he dismissed the crowd, and after he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and and the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So there's this this storm that has swelled up. I've been on this lake um, in in Israel, and there's mountains on one side of it, and the way the wind comes over the mountains, just storms can just pop up at just a moment's notice. That's exactly what happened. And so the, the boat's being rocked by the waves, and the wind is against it. And it said, shortly before dawn, and that's about the same time you had to get up this morning to get to church because of time, time change Sunday, right? So, so probably a little bit earlier than that. But, but, but shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, and he was walking on the lake. So here they are. They're in a boat. The, the, there's a storm that's happening. He walks out to them. And as he's walking out to them, the disciples see him walking on the lake, and they're terrified. Like, it's a ghost! And they start freaking out, and, and, and they perceive that, that, G, that this person is a ghost, and, 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 and their, their mind goes to worst-case scenario, and they, start, they just start flipping out. And they cry out in fear, it's a ghost. But immediately, Jesus said to them, and here's our key phrase today, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then Peter you got to love Peter. Peter goes, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on out to you on the water. And Jesus says, come. And so he gets out the boat. He walks on the water. He comes to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, right? When he saw the wind, and how do you even see wind, right? 
I mean, you can see the results of it, but you can't see when. And I think that speaks to what fear is like. You can't really see it. You can't, I mean, you're perceiving it, but you, I'm telling you, there's some stuff here. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began, he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. How many know that's a good prayer, isn't it? Jesus, help me. I mean, that's when you know you're really praying, right? When it comes down to, oh, Jesus. I mean, that's when you're really praying. And immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he goes, oh, you have such little faith. Why did you doubt? And they climbed in the boat, and the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat with him worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the Son of God. And so this morning, we're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about overcoming fear. And as we look at fear, let's just talk for just a moment a little bit about fear. Fear is the most basic instinct of every living creature. An animal without fear will soon become somebody's dinner, right? Fear is a natural response when our physical safety or our psychological well-being is threatened. And rational fears are learned. And, I mean, actually, they're vital to our survival. So there's a rational side of it. Um, my first memory in life is I'm about close to about three years old. And um, I'm on my high chair. And, and I, decide, I think that I'm Superman and I'm going to fly. This really is my first memory in life. So I take off. And I realized two things. I, I realized, number one, I'm not Superman. And number two, I developed a fear of heights that I think came from that very, that very moment, that, that even to this day, I mean, I've, I mean, I've overcome it, but there's, I mean, kind of, you know. I mean, if we get up on a mountain, I mean, I'm still kind of over, hey, kids, get away from the edge. right? Come on, kids, come over here by Dad. You know, be safe over here by me. I just... You know, but can, and those things happen in life, and they become triggers for us. And, and, and if, if something happens, our minds immediately go there. I mean, like when I was like, I was about 16, and, and one, one morning I woke up, and it was like real early, early in the morning, and I felt something on my shoulder. I was sleeping on my side, and I looked up, and there was a mouse on my shoulder, like looking me at those little beady eyes, <laughs> looking right at me. And, and it was just a natural action. I mean, I I picked that thing up, I threw it against the wall, it hit the wall, it dropped, and then I heard it run off, and then this big 16-year-old boy in his underwear went and jumped in bed with my mama, because I was scared. And, And you know, to this day, I still don't like mice. I kill every mouse I see, because I think they're plotting to attack me in my sleep. So I don't like mice, I don't like heights, um... You know, maybe there's things that have triggered you, triggers for you. Maybe a phone that rings in the middle of the night, and you've had bad news before in the middle of the night, so immediately there's fear. I mean, there's just different triggers that, that each of us have and, and of this fear. And then there's anxiety, which anxiety is different from fear because uh, anxiety lacks an adequate object or an adequate cause. We're just we're anxious about something. And then there's phobias, which are irrational fears that compel us to do irrational things or inhibit us from what we should be doing. And then fears are different from anxiety because fears have a, either a, a legitimate fear to have to have a legitimate a legitimate fear has to have an object it has to be something that you're afraid of that that seems present and it seems powerful at the moment like the disciples of the ghost in the water that they were afraid of and and they, these phobias become the fears become of this and so I Google searched um, strange phobias can I just say that's not a great thing to Google search just. 
take my word for it, but I found some, some strange phobias. One, one is monophobia, which is the fear of being alone. A toxophobia, it's a fear of being poisoned. You can kind of figure some of these out, can't you? Claustrophobia, fear of enclosed spaces. Acrophobia, that's fear of heights, and that's an okay fear, okay? It's okay to be afraid. I just, that one's okay. <laughs> Anthophobia, fear of flowers. Yeah. Okay, here's one. I, I don't know how to say this word. Will you put this phobia up on the screen? Yeah, good luck with that one. Fear of the number 666. Like, some of you probably have that. You're like, oh, my gosh, he put that, and it's in red. On a red screen, 666. Oh, you have this fear, right? Well, that's what it's called. Good luck with that. Heliophobia, fear of sunlight. I never heard of that one. Heliophobia. Chorophobia. This is the fear that my wife wishes I would develop. Chorophobia is the fear of dancing. She wishes when we were at weddings I would be afraid to dance, but not happening, baby. No fear here. This, is the, this fear is the one your kids get when it's time to go to bed. Oblutophobia, fear of bathing. Okay, this one, this next one is legitimate. I've never heard of it. I didn't know it existed, but nomophobia, fear of not having mobile phone access. Nomophobia, right. And then the most important one, phobophobia, the fear of having a phobia, right? FDR, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, right? <laughs> now, I mean, these are fun. It's fun to make fun of these, adjust these, but... But if you've experienced fear, and we've all experienced fear, it is not a joking matter, is it? I mean, it is serious. It grabs us. It, 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 gets a, it can get a hold of us. But in order for a fear object to be legitimate, it must possess two attributes. It must be perceived as present and powerful. Okay, so like right now, I'm not afraid of heights because that's not that high. It's not that powerful. Heights aren't present. And, and so as we in account, encounter fears, one of the things that the that the word of the Lord does for us and the presence of the Lord does for us is it removes the, the, the power that would be in the object of that fear. That we know he's not given us a spirit of fear, that it's not of him, but of power, that we're not subject to, to the powers that be, that what's going on in the world. Because if you look at fear, really, fears can really kind of lie in three different camps. There's a fear of Satan, what evil, what could be done to us. There's a fear of man. And then there's the fear of death. And we don't have to be afraid of the evil one. That there's no weapon formed against us shall prosper. That greater is he is, that is in us than he that is in the world. And that we have authority in Christ Jesus. That in the name of Jesus, every other name has to bow. And so we don't have to be afraid that, that it is, it's, it's, Satan is looking. He's going around as a roaring lion, but he has no authority. He has no legitimate power other than what would be based on a lie. And, and so there's a fear of that. There's a fear of man. That so many of the fears that we have are based upon a, a potential of rejection, of disappointment, of the fear of man, of needing the approval of others, afraid of being embarrassed, afraid of being rejected. But if we understand that our worth comes from him, that we are valued in him, that we are special to him, that he loves us, that he gave his life for us, that we walk in the fear of God, not in the fear of man. We're able to, it takes the power out of that. 
that we don't have to be afraid of death. That death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? That Jesus has taken the stinger out of death. That we don't have to be afraid of that. That, that we don't have to walk in fear. Hebrews tw- chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. See, his power has been broken. Who had the power of death? He had the power of death, but he doesn't anymore. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. That people can be scared to death of death. And Jesus has come to set you free of that. That, that, that we have eternal life in him. When our, when our faith and our trust is in him, we have eternal life in, here, in him. And I mean, worst case scenario is heaven, right? And it just takes the power out of that. And so we have to we have to just walk in the, in, in, in the power, the truth of who he is and, and who he is in us. And, and then another thing is that fear is based on perception. Fear is based on perception. Those disciples, they, uh, they perceived there was a ghost. How many of you know they perceived wrong, didn't they? How many of you ever perceived things in your life that like, this just wasn't true, was it? It wasn't... The, but that's where fear goes. And fear is based on a perception. What you think something is. Like you think that mouse is trying to kill you in the middle of the night, right? I, I, read, a, I read a story of a border agent down on the border who, uh, who, was, who was patrolling. And he saw this really uh, colorful snake. And, uh, and he liked it. So he got this snake. He put it in a jar. And it wasn't until later he realized it was a coral snake. Yeah, it wasn't smart, was it? But he had no fear. Why did he not have any fear? Because his perception of it was that it wasn't dangerous. And sometimes our perception gets messed up in this world. The things that we really should stay away from, things that really are bad or evil, we don't perceive that way. But yet things that have no power nor authority over us, we perceive as, as something that is, that's, that's, that's dangerous when it's not. How many of you guys like snakes here, right? You guys, you, I, some of you, I just brought up that word and you started getting nervous, didn't you? But most of us probably didn't have any fear because there's no snakes present. But what if, I, what, if I, what if I threw a snake at you right now? Paul, will you get that uh, box under your seat? No, I'm just joking. I'm, I'm, I'm lying. So if I were to throw a snake at you right now, but it was a dead snake, would you be afraid? No. <laughs> Hey, at least we're honest, right? But if it's dead, if it's re- if you knew it's really, really dead, right? It's really dead. It might be present, but there's no power there. It couldn't do anything to you. It's not power. And, and so, so we, we don't have to be afraid. You know, I, I heard somebody say this once, and, and I haven't been, okay, I haven't been through a Texas summer yet, but I, you guys have ticks, or I shouldn't say you guys. Do we have ticks down here? Okay, I, Missouri, man, we are, ticks were thick as thieves, right? Fear's like ticks. It's just looking for a host. You know, I mean, that's what fear is, just blood-sucking tick, just looking for a host. And if you let it, it will just suck you dry. And we can't, we can't live life like that. You know, so many in the Bible, one of the most commanded things is do not fear. I've read that there's actually, it's do not fear is, is in the Bible 366 times. And that's for every day of the year, including leap year which is this year. 
Do not be afraid. I believe that is, not only is that an invitation, as a command, but I believe that's also an invitation. The Lord is saying, you don't have to be afraid. Don't be afraid. And as I've been looking at fear and researching fear and looking at this, I've seen a pattern in Scripture. And, and I've seen this. Uh, this is like a, a theological theory that I'm working out as I find Scriptures on fear. And I want to challenge you to do this as well. But I've titled this A Pattern of Promise, okay? Because any time, as I'm running across, almost every time I'm running across the, the instruction not to fear, there's three components to it, okay? You might want to write this down, but there's three components. There's the fear not, then there's a name, and then there's a promise. There's a fear not, there's a name, and it's usually the name of the Lord. Sometimes it's the person's name, and then there's a promise, and I see this pattern over and over and over again. And I think there's power in this pattern of promise. Even in Matthew 14, 27, Jesus says, take courage, right? That's the, that's the promise. He says, it is I. There's his name. And he goes, don't be afraid. I'm going to read some verses to you just real fast here. Genesis 15, 1. And after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. And he says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. There, they, there's that promise. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Didn't your faith just get built listening to these verses? Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with, your right, with my righteous right hand. Uh, guys, these are like, these are like sp spiritual, scriptural, like vitamins, like medicine. Like when you are encountering fear, when you're encountering obstacles, these are promises to hold on to. Say, I will not fear, Lord, because you are with me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You've promised. These are your promises, and I stand on your promises. But that doesn't mean we don't have feelings of fear, does it? And so what do we do with these feelings of fear? What, what do we do with them? What do we do with our emotion, our emotion of fear, our feelings of fear? What do we do with them? Well, this is, this is what we do, guys. Feelings are like children, okay? Feelings are like children. You acknowledge them, you listen to them, but you don't let them control you. So some of you need to hear that about feelings. Some of you actually need to hear that about your kids, <laughs> You acknowledge them, you listen to them, but you don't let them control you. I'll put it another way. Like your kids, right? If you're going down a car, do you, put, you don't put your kids in the driver's seat, and you don't put your kids in the trunk, do you, right? Same way with feelings. You don't let your, you don't let your feelings drive you. You don't put your feelings in the driver's seat. You don't put your feelings in the trunk. Feelings are like kids. They belong in the back seat, right? They're present. You acknowledge them. You talk to them, but they don't make the decisions. Because, you see, we would think if we just suppress our feelings of fear, we suppress those, we would think it would rob it of power, but it's actually the opposite. It actually feeds it when we don't look at it, when we don't address it. And, and this is the other aspect, is that all fears are predicated by a thought. So you have these feelings of fear, you have these emotions of fear, but if you back it up just a little bit, the, the, before that becomes a thought. Because, I mean, before the disciples said, hey, there's a ghost, they had the thought there was a ghost. They had the thought 
that that was they had the, the thoughts of fear, the thoughts of the storm that they were encountering, which was present, which was potent. But then their perception was, okay, on top of that, if that wasn't enough, they were, I mean, they were fishermen. They were going to be okay. They'd been through storms before, but they hadn't seen a ghost before. And they perceived that this is what it was. And, it was, and that fear started as a thought. And so what do we do with our thoughts? And we have to take control of our, we have to take every thought captive that's not honoring so the Lord have to pull down these vain, these false imaginations, these false thoughts. I remember, I remember one time, this is several years ago, and um, my, my wife Heather was on a cruise. I'm thankful she's not on a cruise today. But she was on a cruise, and, and she, was, um, she was on this cruise. She was on a cruise with her grandma, her mom, her sister, and our daughter, okay, who was a little girl at the time. So just context for there. Well, I had this thought. I began to have this fear that Heather was having an affair on me on this, on this cruise ship. I, I mean, I became gripped with this. I, was, I just, Heather's going to have an affair on me. She's going to find some rich, good-looking dude, and she's going to leave me. And I just, I, mean, I just got, I mean, I got anxious over it. I got nervous over it. She had given me no reason not to trust her. She's always been an incredible wife, always been faithful. Like, I mean, there was, it was so, totally illogical. But when you're dealing with fear, you'll find that logic doesn't always overcome fear. And, and so, I, I, so I called a friend. I, I mean, I couldn't fix this myself. I called a friend. And when I, I called this friend, I confessed what I was fearing. He prayed with me. And then he reminded me of a verse that's powerful that, that I really believe helps us walk this out. And it's, it's Philippians 4.8. You're probably familiar with it. But I'm going to read it out of the message translation because it, it causes us to think a little bit differently about it. Paul says this in Philippians 4.8. He says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds, right, what we think about, and meditating. That This word here is like the, the idea of a cow chewing its, cu- its cud. What are we going to meditate on? What are we going to think about? Meditating on things that are true. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. We'll do best when we think about things that are true. Another translation says, above all else, think about things that are true. They're trustworthy. And so there's, there's a, I'll, I'll read the rest of this and I'll go back to it. So things that are true, that are noble, that are reputable, that are authentic, that are compelling, that are gracious. Think the best, not the worst. How many of you know when we get, when we get news or we, we, something happens, how many of you know so often, don't we often go to the, the worst case scenario? I mean, our minds just go there. I remember three years ago when on Valentine's Day, Heather was diagnosed with cancer. And when you hear your wife's diagnosed with cancer, I mean, your mind can go to the worst case scenario really quick. Just really quick. And I'm not going to tell all of her story because she's going to share it at the ladies' conference in May. But I just, but you have to choose not to think the worst. Not to think the worst. And not give in to that spirit of fear. We think about things that are beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. And so it says, think on things that are true. So all fears are predicated by a thought. So when you're battling in your mind, these are two questions to ask yourself. And I ask, these are questions that I I live this stuff. Like I ask myself these questions. Number one, what do I know to be true about this situation? What do I know to be true? That's a good place to start because think about things that are true. When I I had that thought that the enemy was trying to, you know, falsely accuse my wife, get me to be afraid she was having an affair on me. What do I know is true? Well, I know, it's, I know it's true that she loves me. I know it's true that she's always been faithful. I know it's true she's hanging out with her grandma, right? Like, I mean, just those things are true. 
And so I'm going to believe things that I know that are true. If you have a biopsy being done, right, what do you know that's true? You know you're getting a biopsy. But your mind will be thinking on all these things that may not be true. And so we have to make a choice. Okay, I'm going to think about what things that are true, that are good, that are lovely. So what do I, what do I know to be true about this situation? And what do I know to be true about God? And that one is helpful. God is faithful. He is good. He is for me. He's not against me. He won't harm me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's intended life for me and life to the fullest. And you begin to remind yourselves of what is true about God and the promises of God. And the promises that we sang earlier are yes and amen. And he is for us. And he is a God of love. I love 1 John 4, 17 and 18. Again, this is in uh, the message uh, to cause us to think a little bit differently about it. But God is love. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear, or perfect love drives out all fear. Maybe you've heard it put that way. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, there it is again, fear of, fear of judgment, is in one not yet fully formed in love. And God wants to, he wants to pour his love into us. He wants us to experience his love, and when it does, I'm telling you, it displaces the other things in life. I'm, I'm going to do a magic trick for you guys. Not really. It's, it's not. So this, is, this, this container right here is, our, is a symbol of our life. And, and this water that's in here is a symbol of fear. And it doesn't just happen all in a moment like that. But little by little, fear begins to come in. And Although sometimes it does just come in, rushed in like a flood, doesn't it? But these, uh, this lemon and these limes, I, ju I just want them to represent the love of God. We put that passage, um, 1 John, back up about the love of God. And I just want you guys to reflect on that. That God is love, and, and perfect love drives out all fear. We sang about this earlier in our songs. And so as, you, as you're experiencing fear, I truly believe that as we begin to experience the love of God, as we remind ourselves of who he is, of how much he loves us, of what is true about him, that the love of God displaces fear. That wounds that we've had in the past that, that trigger fear, trigger anxiety, that we know that, that God loves us, that we don't have to please others. We don't have to have the approval of others. We have the approval of God. And we have that. That begins to displace that fear in our life. It begins to drive it out, and it just begins to overflow. And if I, if I had enough rocks, if I had enough sand, if I had enough other stuff, I could actually fill this up of representation of the love of God, which drives out fear. And so part of our overcoming fear in our life is not just working real hard to get rid of fear, but is surrendering to the love of God, surrendering to the, because God is love. And as we surrender to him, as we, as we submit ourselves to him, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he takes care of this other stuff. He displaces these things that are not of him in our life, and, and he, he drives them out. I... Uh, I've, 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 I've kind of been living this message the last several months. I, uh, I'm going to tell you guys a story. I actually haven't told anybody other than Heather. And, and several, several, many, many months ago, before we ever moved here, I started developing a pain in my side. And as I developed this pain in my side, I began to have a fear that I was going to die. Like, I, I really did. And it was a fear... Fear came, it was a spirit of fear. Like it was, it was fear that was more than I'd ever experienced any other time in my life. 
and started um, late summer um, as we were preparing to move here, and I, I had this had this pain. I just had fear. I couldn't shake it, and and I tried to shake it. And I had some friends there in, in Missouri that I had pray with me, and and I was just I confessed. I was like, guys, I feel like I'm gonna I feel like I'm gonna die. Like and 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 they were so good and so gracious, and and I said I feel like. You know, I'm so excited about moving to Texas. Like, everything good's going to, God has so much good for us down there, and I'm so excited about it, but I'm, af- I'm afraid I'm not going to experience it. I'm afraid I'm going to die. And, and they were just like, they, they just discerned that, Jay, that's not true. You're crazy. Like, well, they didn't, I mean, they were nicer than that. They're friends, but they're like, that's a lie of the enemy. He has so much life. He has so much good for you down there that actually he's trying to cause fear of the very opposite of that happening. And so they prayed for me, and, and I felt a little better. I felt a little better. I, I was, you know, I, I did due diligence. I went to the doctor and got some blood work done. And, and the doctor said, well, all your, all your blood work looks good, and except for a little cholesterol. Um, you know, it's looking good. And, and so I, uh, I was like, okay, so, you know, you try to deal with it logically. And like, okay, doctor said I'm fine. And he goes, but if you know, if you keep having that pain, you know, you should go, go to the next level. And I'm like, okay, okay. So, so the lie keeps coming into my mind. And so much of it, you know, as I talk about fear's perception and so much of this can be built on a lie. And, and, and in October, this, just these, these voices kept coming back to me of just, of just I wasn't, I wasn't going to live. And I, guys, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a person that like walks around in fear. Like, but this was kind of eating my lunch. And I was dealing with it alone. I wasn't telling anybody about it. I remember, uh, I remember being on this platform first Sunday in October and being introduced here. And, and you guys welcomed us so much. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is good, but I'm going to die. Like, I'm not going to be around for this, you know. I mean, how I many you know not every thought you have is your own, right? Like the enemy was trying to speak. I know it. But when you're in the middle of it, it feels real. So, but the pain just, just kept getting worse. I mean, I checked on my life insurance, you know. Did I go to the doctor? Well, I mean, you know, my, my new medical coverage didn't kick in until January 1st. So I waited, right? I mean, real logical, right? Really smart. But... Do you know that people have a greater fear over medical death than they do diagnosis? It's true. There's a greater fear over That's why people delay stuff. And that's why what we're doing on, on Easter is going to be so powerful for so many people off paying medical debt, as you guys have heard, and you will hear more about that. It's going to make a huge difference in people's lives. But, but just this fear of the finances of what that would be and, and just the fear of dying. And, and, I, and I was really afraid. It wasn't like 24-7. But it'd be like these waves that would come over me of just, of just a wave of fear. I remember it was, uh, I think it was in November. I mean, it was a beautiful Texas winter night. It was warm out. We were on the back deck just enjoying it, just having a wonderful evening. And Heather and I are just talking. She goes, Jay, she goes, I love it here so much. I love the friends I have here. I love the church. I love our house. I love our neighborhood. I love the food. I love the culture. She says, oh, no, how much she loves. She goes, you know what? She goes, if you die, I'm just going to stay here. Uh, how does she know she, how does she know I'm dying? <laughs> it has to be true now, right? I, mean, she, I remember Christmas. I, devil's whispering, Jay, this is your last Christmas. You better enjoy it. It's terrible, but I mean, it's, it's how I felt. I was like, I got to talk to Heather. Like, I got to let her know. I got to know. I got to let her know what I'm struggling with. I go, but I'm not going to tell her on Christmas I'm dying. I'll wait till the 26th. <laughs> so on December 26th, I said, babe, I got to talk to you. 
I said, I'm struggling with fear. Like, fear's eating my lunch. I'd carried this by myself for months. It's like, fear's eating my lunch. And you know, when I began to speak that out, the power of it began to break. I'd been carrying it all on my own. I'd been trying to deal with it myself, and I wasn't. But when I began to speak, and she prayed with me, and we prayed. And, I mean, it didn't leave 100%, but it really broke. I mean, it, the, some of that power of it. I could feel that, that, that weakening. And so I, January 2nd, I went to the doctor, got scheduled for, a, for a, uh, a scope and ultrasound and all those things. And, and, uh, and they did find, I did have an issue. It's not life-threatening, praise the Lord. But I mean, there was, I mean, that pain was coming from somewhere. It was present, but it wasn't the potent powerfulness that I thought it could be. But because of my perception... It was allowed fear into my life. And, and, and when, we, when we experience fear, there's different, there's different responses that, that we can have. And, you know, you, you, we got a lot of deer in this area, don't we? And so many people talk about deer. They say it's either, uh, it's either like, uh, like you, they, they either flight, freeze, or I guess if you get close enough, they'll fight you, won't they? Have you ever seen those videos of that? It goes to the windshield and they start fighting, you know? But... That was a that was a bad that was a bad uh, example. I'm not using that next service. <laughs> it didn't play out the way I thought. <laughs> so we can have three responses. I'll just back up a few seconds. We can have three responses <laughs> when we face fear. We can fight it, we can flight, or we can freeze. I froze. I just froze. I, I froze, and and it, it cost a lot of grief and a lot of anxiety that it shouldn't have. But I froze. You can flight. Flight is developing unhealthy coping mechanisms to run from stuff in life, avoiding people, avoiding tough conversations, um, being, you know, avoiding opportunity where you could be rejected because you're afraid of, of people. It's, it's food, it's alcohol, it's in, in excess, it's, it's all different kinds of things. Um, not staying so busy that you don't deal with underlying issues in your life. It's flight. It's these coping mechanisms. But that's not what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to fight it. He wants us to respond in faith and not in fear. And so this is this, so I just wrote down some things of way to respond to fear that I want to share with you as I, as I wrap up this morning. These are ways you can respond to fear. Number one, and I, you might want to write these down because you won't remember them when the fear comes in rushing in like a flood. But the first one is to face your fear. Just face it. Don't put it in the driver's seat, but don't put it in the trunk like I tried to do. Face your fear. Head on. Face your fear. And identify your fear. What? Identify your fear. If you can name it, you can tame it, Right? And so identify what is it and go, go, go deep, go to the root. And, and one of the things that helped me is not only did Heather pray for me, but I knew that I had to deal with this thing spiritually because I knew if I only dealt with it logically and I got a good doctor's report that I wouldn't have addressed the spiritual issue. And when there was something else that came up that I wasn't able to defeat through logic, that I would be subject to it. And I didn't want to live a life subject to anything other than to Jesus. And so I'm like, Lord we got to deal with this. i got to overcome this fear because I know that in life you can't just deal with stuff by logic alone, that there's a spiritual dimension to it. And so uh, we're launching a ministry here in a few weeks, a few months, called uh, Freedom Prayer. 
And it's an opportunity to sit in the presence of Jesus with a few others and, and, and just let Jesus do work in our life. And so in training for this, I went to another church where I was in a freedom prayer session. And they, as I went in, this was in January, and it's like, well, is there anything Jesus wants to do in your life? And I'm like, yeah, he wants me to get rid of some fear. And so I had other people pray with me. I was able to, to just get to the root of, of what was really behind these fears and really deal with them. And, and, and if you can identify it, then you can deal with it. And once you identify it, you just confess it. You say, Lord, I give this to you. I confess this fear. I, I give this to you. And then you renounce your fear. I reject this fear in the name of Jesus. This is not what true. What's true is what the word of the Lord says about me. And so you renounce the fear. And then you pray. You be in the presence of Jesus. The key to overcoming, guys, is the presence of Jesus. Every time we see that there's this pattern of promises, do not fear, I am with you, and this is what I'm going to do. And as we pray, and sometimes you need help. Sometimes you need somebody to pray with you, and that's not bad. It's actually good because God wants us to need each Like We need each other. We need the community of faith. And then stand on the promises of God. Stand on his promises. Stand on those promises. And then an action plan. Sometimes there's some stuff you have to do. Uh, overcoming fears like forgiveness. It doesn't just happen in one moment. You have to continually choose. Continually choose to forgive. You have to continually choose to, to not give in to fear. And sometimes there's just some practical things you have to do, and that's an action plan. So as we think back on Matthew chapter 14, 27, this story, Jesus said to the disciples, he said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Friends, if you're struggling with fear today, you don't have to. You can be free of it. You don't have to be crippled by it. You don't have to be frozen by it. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And, and as we go to him, he will be there with us, and he will, he will, he will quiet the storm. But see, what, what has to happen, he didn't, he didn't quiet the storm and before they understood who he was. He revealed himself of who he was, and then he quieted the storm. We can't wait for the storms of our life to be quieted before we have an understanding of who Jesus is and what he wants to be. It's in the midst of that 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 begins to happen.